Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the DustalProds.com comic book podcast. As always, I'm dead. Joe, today we have Nico. Hey, everyone. No bird this week, unfortunately. He has work like some kind of fucking square. Lame. <laughs> yeah, getting fucking income and having a stable job like some kind of fucking communist. <laughs> Speaking of communists, no. <laughs> yeah. Seize the means of production, my fucking left nut. I've been doing a lot of communist jokes lately, and I don't know why. <laughs> just anytime anybody is missing, I just say because they're a fucking communist. <laughs> Bringing it back, eh? <laughs> fucking commie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to be, wa- yeah, I walk around my town with Karl Marx literature. <laughs> but anyway, we are here. I am still behind, but I have been doing my best to keep track of, to keep up with the latest events, ex- excluding the Marvel one that is currently happening. There's a Marvel one currently happening? I, I think Infinity Wars. Oh, see, that's actually a very underplayed event, if that's what you want to call it, though. It's yeah, very... And then, and, then there is also, and then there is also, I believe it I believe it started a couple weeks ago, with Spider-Geddon. Yeah, I'm not bothering with that. Uh, some guy at my sh- the shop I work part-time at, he was telling me it's basically almost a ba- uh, continuation of Spider-Verse, essentially. And it is by Christos Gage. But I just kind of was burnt out of the whole idea on it, so I didn't read into it but he says uh yeah he says he's enjoying it so i don't know yeah i'm probably gonna end up reading it because like i'm kind of liking new spider-man mm-hmm. oh oh thank you for saying <laughs> some validation we did chat about it actually well, but you we, kind we, of we were chat about it before and i was uh, you were kind of like yeah i don't know <laughs> i sold you now or yeah i i, I think i i think i uh, i've spent some more time with it like thought it over a bit more and right. Overall, I'm having a net positive experience with Spider-Man again, which has been yes. a while. Yes, exactly. Same. That's what I mean. Like, it's it's different enough than basically what Slot was doing, and it's kind of wacky a little bit, and I'm actually embracing it. I'm loving it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just like, yeah, why I'm not? liking that I get to enjoy a Nick Spencer book again. Yeah, that too. And also, I am still weirded the fuck out that his goddamn, his choice is like, hey, I'm coming in. I am following a 10-year fucking career on this book. My first storyline, it's a storyline from Danny Phantom. Oh, yes, we talked about that. You said the, the switching bodies thing. Uh, no, 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 the, the, no that's not switching bodies. bodies. It, it is, yeah, it the, is the separation of powers right. and responsibility. Right, right, right. You mentioned that last time we talked about that. That was the storyline from that, right? Yeah. That's, yeah. I I mean, have you got, to, like, I'm, did you get to the point I talked about afterwards where it gets to the callback kind of issue to uh, Superior Foes yet, though? Not or? yet. I'm getting there. Oh, it's I, yeah, yeah. you're going to love that. You're going to love that one, I think. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, while I have been sleeping better, the apathy is still heavy right. and present. Right. But anyway, so we got two events happening right now. Mm-hmm. We got the fucking we got the big one and the one that thinks it's a big one. Which one do you want to start with? <laughs> let's, let's talk about the big one. Alrighty, so Doomsday Clock issue seven. It is out. We are going. We have Dr. Manhattan's dick in frame. <laughs> That's right. He's he's made an appearance now, successfully in this issue. I think this is the first actual appearance in this issue. Like Yeah, yeah. Th- th- this is the first like for real on in panel right. appearance. Like before we've had like speech bubbles and stuff, but mm-hmm. we've we haven't seen 
we have not seen the dingus. That's right. And in this issue, he he, he, show, he shows up and is, is surrounds himself in a circle of like his own, like, I don't know, like essence. <laughs> if that's what you want to call it. And, and it's just flopping. Yeah. <laughs> it's just there for everyone to behold. Batman's yeah, kind of like brain. covering his eyes. And, yeah, and Joker's like, oh, Jesus Christ, put yeah. on some fucking pants, dude. Yeah, yeah. Joker's kind of jumping for, for joy. <laughs> it seems yeah. like. <laughs> Which is weird, considering yeah. considering like I believe earlier in this issue he had the flamethrower penis. <laughs> Anyways, though that 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 scene though is kind of mid issue though. If you kind of want to talk it up, yeah, and yeah. So get into it. so so going beforehand, but before that, uh, we have our time hanging out with the fucking Scooby Gang that is Ozymandias, New Rorschach, Saturn Girl, and Johnny Thunder. Yeah, Johnny Thunder. Who's, it's, it's been a while since we've seen him. Yeah. And he still doesn't have his fucking genie. He got the fucking Green Lantern lantern. Like, right. I, I think like I think like the Alan Scott one. Yeah, that kind of, that happened, I think, at the end of the last issue, if I recall correctly. Yeah, they kind of brought like that. that into play. Yeah, yeah and, and then he had that, the lantern and he goes, say you fucking, come on, bro. Right. Right, because this guy who's in the first scene, was it the Killer Mo- Moth or whatever the hell his name was from the original... Um, uh, not Watchmen, but the uh, Minutemen. Uh, Minute, Minutemen, right? Um, yeah, so they kind of broke him out of the insane as- asylum uh, last issue, I believe, because yeah. he kind of tried to make an escape, and uh, with Rorschach's, um, oh, not Rorschach, the the doctor's son that we found out that yeah. used to tr- treat N- Rorschach. New, uh, just call him Rorschach for ease. Right, Rorschach. So essentially, yeah. So they broke broke out, and then they took Saturn Girl. Right, that's yeah. who that is from the. Uh, who was teased actually long ago? If oh yeah, you recall, a long Batman. ass time ago. Tom King. We, yeah, Batman. we fucking saw. Yeah, her we, like, hand, hands coming out of like a cell or something. As we yeah, yeah, we, we saw her hands coming out of a cell. Yeah. We heard her talk, and then we like we saw inside the cell, and it was like the Legion symbol drawn with her own poop or something. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. I believe early in the Tom King run, he, he when uh, Gotham Girl or or Goth like I guess went to one Arkham Asylum. One of the two of them went to Arkham Asylum. Um. He was walking past all of them as you know people are heckling him and shit, and then you see her in one of the cells. And 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 there's been a long time kind of rumor that Johns was going to bring back the Legion uh, at some point in his rollout after Doomsday Clock. So yeah. her being in this story kind of. St- it's possible, right? So yeah. At this point, so you know, it's it was. I don't really too. My legion knowledge is not great. I'll, I'll tell you that right now. Yeah, same, um, same I, here. Yeah. So, you know, while she was here in this issue, I was just like, okay, you know, I was just going along with it. I wasn't like, oh, you know, Saturn girl or whatever. But you know, it's cool. It was a nice callback. I think that they planted it all the way back at the start of Rebirth in the Batman issue, right? So, um. Anyways, yeah. Go on. Yeah. So. Yeah, so that's all happening. Uh, Saturn Girl is apparently on fucking shrooms or something because she is just spaced the balls out, mm-hmm. just spending the entire time talking about like, hey, it's like, hey, don't worry, I've seen, I've seen what happens. This is everything's gonna be great. You're gonna get your genie back. Everything's gonna be fucking bomb diggity. And then it doesn't. Yeah, and she's she like, what the fuck? That she's a telepath and that she's from the future and that she kind of, you know, she's envisioned all this. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and uh, so, and so while that is happening, as they are all as they're hanging out doing whatevs, um, using the clone of Babastus to try to fucking track down, mm-hmm. to track down uh, him, we then have a uh, Joker mime marionette uh, torturing the comedian. 
Mm-hmm. Trying to figure out where the fuck he is. Then Batman shows up and gets kind of worked. Yep. Hey, I would say so. Like, I... I, I don't know. I, this might just be like residual Harley Quinn problems, but I'm I'm weirded out that Marionette is giving Batman such a hard time. Well, I, I agree. It is Batman, but her introduction, like as you've mentioned in the past episodes, we've talked about this book. She has been whooping serious amounts of ass in this. book. Oh no, yeah, so she far. is. Yeah, I, I feel. She I feel like it, I feel. I feel like it is just Harley Quinn residuals. Which we'll I see what you're into. saying. It's more so the fact that she's outsmarting him that's kind of insulting, right? Like, yeah, like, kinda, yeah, like, right, like, yeah, like, yeah, like, look, looking, looking in this issue especially, fucking, <laughs> sh- fucking Batman gets one of his fucking ears on his goddamn cowl cut off, gets gets like a fucking blade, gets like fucking the wire into his arm. Joker fucking Electra volts him in the mouth, and then he just wakes up a bit later, like what? Mm-hmm. And and everyone says, "Hey, Batman, you fucked up." And he's like, yeah, I did. Which it's fine. we will yeah, get more on. into that as we get into the show. I, I was about to say, the next book we're going to talk about, I feel quite a way about oh, what yeah, happened. That, that, that too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But this all, bleeds, this all bleeds into a topic Birdie wanted us to discuss. Okay. But yeah, and then we have John, uh, and we have fucking Dr. Manhattan shows up. Um, Ozymandias reveals that he's still a cunt. Mm-hmm. And this whole book was kind of for, and this whole fucking story of how they came over was kind of for nothing. You, you, so you're saying you, overall you didn't, you think this wasn't a necessary issue? You didn't no, no, no. I mean, issue? no, I mean, the, I mean the reveal in the plot. Oh, okay, yeah. Sorry, yeah, I yeah, like, the whole issue. Yeah, like, like, okay. like, like fucking Ozymandias. Like, so inside the incident, Ozymandias has cancer. Gets New Rorschach to go find Doctor Manhattan to save their world, which is falling apart because his plan failed. Mm-hmm. Then goes over there. Turns out he doesn't have can- turns out he doesn't have cancer. Rorschach abandons him. Uh Doc Manhattan yeah. decides Doc Manhattan says, I'm never coming back with you. Then Ozymandias says, I have a new plan to save the world and goes and leaves. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, did you like the fact that he revealed that this was all like kind of a like a like a lie, the can like the brain tumor thing? Um wasn't some on? wasn't so much a lie, but it makes sense for the character. Right. I actually thought it was an interesting choice that he said that. Like he's like, you, you know, you're fine. Like he's, yeah, I, I, I get, I get, I get that. Um, like it, it worked, it worked kind of in the moment, but I, but it wasn't like a whole like, whoa, big reveal moment or anything, or like a, oh yeah, go, yeah. Go. I know it was just kind of like, wait, oh yeah, okay, it works. I think, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I know you worded it better. I, I think I thought it was an interesting choice. I, uh, yeah, I didn't, I didn't mind that, and I, I, I love the whole. The Bastis kind of working as the compass and working with the lantern. I I, I love that 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 animal, <laughs> the leopard or whatever it is. Yeah, uh, but it's dead. Yeah, yeah. Again, <laughs> that was <laughs> that. You know, he kind of yeah used it for its purpose, so to say. Yeah, I guess, same speak, same with so. the original Bastis. <laughs> right. He, fu- he fucking made him, and he even says in this issue, like, "Hey, this Bubastis is a clone of the other one who I blew up with John." Mm-hmm. Also, it this is just me. I am really weirded out that they keep calling him John. I know it's his name, but still. R- right. Yeah. No, yeah, you're right. It, it's it's like we have a god of unlimited power. His name is David. <laughs> How do you um did you enjoy the um I did I, I did quite enjoy the callback to Riddler getting shot in the kneecap? 
<laughs> like I like that. That was because that was an awesome moment, and I thought it was funny when he was talking to. He's kind of pep talking the the comedian uh, Joker. <laughs> he's yeah. just like, yeah, he's like, yeah, you know, you half smiling fool, you you know, I'll give you a five gold star for that shot to Eddie Nigma. <laughs> I enjoyed that. I thought I was. He's. I'm actually really looking for. I, I, I mean, the idea may be kind of dumb, but I'm I'm really looking forward to that. Um. Jason Fabok, he's going to be drawing that um, three Riddler story with oh, uh, Jeff Johns. I, I am looking forward. To, I mean, I love Jason Fabok's art, and the fact that I've enjoyed his his Joker dialogue uh, quite a bit actually in this um, in this series so far. Oh yeah, like um, like I, of I all like of all of the characters, any problems I have, Joker ain't one of them. No, absolutely not. That because we because we even said like out of all the moments in these individual issues, that that moment where they they had like with comedians showed up and all the rogues were around and Joker, that was my favorite moment I think so far of this whole <laughs> this whole event so far was yeah. that. Uh, my, my, fa- my favorite panel yeah. in this issue is like is like as soon as Doc Manhattan shows back up, we get like a little like a you know a near full page spread of him like standing up and then like four panels along the bottom of everybody reacting, then two up top of Batman going I know who you are and Joker going for God's sake put on some pants. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> and it just it was really fun. It was just a really great moment of like, oh yeah, Joker's funny. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, he is. It, in it, recent issues, mm-hmm. Joker hasn't really been that funny. In like other things, yeah, or yeah, yeah, like, like, like yeah, like in, in the last few, in the last like, no, like right. year or so, whenever they've done mm-hmm. Joker stories, they've leaned more into the. I guess horror aspect of the character, unless the comedy aspect of the character. Yeah, yeah, no, you're right. I would even say like, like Tom King's um, version of him leading up to the wedding. He was kind of funny, but more like in a kind of sadistic, dark humor way. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it wasn't like, like, like yeah, like yeah. It, like, like, like like yeah, that is part of the character. But another part absolutely. is that he also just fucking makes jokes. Oh yeah, absolutely. I think John like, like yeah, when he like yeah, when he breaks, he breaks fucking hard. But up until then, he's still fucking cracking wise ones. Mm. Yeah, no, great Joker stuff. I, yeah, I agree. I, yeah, I, yeah, but, I, but uh, like, I, I, with, yeah. with, the, with, the, with the Tom King stuff, it was a bit more of a return to form. But up until then, it was mainly just, I'm going to say standard villain dialogue, but laugh occasionally. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Just to kind of remind you that I'm insane. But yeah. I'm not really, yeah, actually busting out like funny moments where yeah, they, this... they, yeah they essentially yeah up until up until the last couple of months joker yeah. has essentially been carried by the font and word and word bubble choices mm-hmm. yeah no i uh yeah i did dig those moments during this and i actually thought john's also did a good job with the ozymandias dialogue for that matter oh, i yeah. thought so anyways i which i he's definitely i would think one of the more difficult characters to to write dialogue for out of the watchmen yeah um uh especially because you know alan moore wrote that character and the fact that i don't know there's just a there's a certain like when i it it, it felt true to form like the way like his speech like like while i was reading the dialogue like it kind of it reminded me of of the, that character like oh, which yeah. i like you know what i mean like i thought i remember they did that before watchmen miniseries of him and i did not feel that way about that like I, they kind of tried to do the whole like cold time um, type shit in that, like with the panels and the way he talks about time and the watch and how all yeah. that works. And, and and it was okay, but it wasn't like this. This yeah, is much yeah. better. From, from, from what I remember of the Before Ozymandias single issue that I read, mm. 
Um, it seems like the dialogue was taking the cue from him explaining his plan, and that was the entire dialogue. Mm. Like, like it was whole, like a like Ozymandias at the end of Watchmen when he is explaining like when he's explaining his plan and then saying I did it thirty minutes ago. Mm. Like they essentially took that dialogue, like that dialogue style, the cadence, the way that all the way that all went, and did it for four issues. Mm-hmm. As in terms yeah, of dialogue. Yeah, it, and it was one of those things where, like, you could tell he was trying to do his best version of that character. Like, oh, you know yeah. what I mean? Like, it was very glaringly obvious. Whereas this, like, the whole time Johns has been doing kind of Jeff Johns, but in a way where, I don't know, like, he, he is, like, kind of paying more of homage to this, these characters. And I, and he's doing some things better than others, I would say. Like, yeah, but, this, um, this, yeah this, this, this whole book is kind of emblematic of everything I love and hate about Jeff Johns. Yeah, that's a fair. Because Jeff fair Johns, yeah. when he when he fucking nails it, he's, he's he is on. a fantastic yeah. writer. Absolutely. Yeah. But he is also one of the most pandering writers I have ever read. <laughs> you mean in, in terms of like his um, legacy callback to DC Comics type shit yeah, that he yeah, writes? Yeah, like, his legacy, yes. yeah, his legacy right. callbacks as well as just writing what writing what the loud idiots want. Absolutely. Yeah, no, I I agree. I feel like 100%. And I know that sounds harsh, but that's mainly because it is. And you're right. And I think I think that's actually I've heard similar criticisms about his writing from other people. And I think that's that's very fair. It is very um, uh, uh, not fan. uh, What the hell is the word for it? Um, uh, I'll come to me. Go on. But yeah, basically, yeah, he he is. Like you said, he's giving the fans what they want. He's pandering. Yeah, exactly. It's it's major fan service, and uh, yeah, and that could sometimes come off very ham-fisted in in some of the way that these moments are written. But I yeah, think like, in this, like, like I'm not saying like I'm not I'm not trying to downplay fan service or anything. Like fan service, it's great sometimes. Yeah, yeah, it, it can really yeah. work. But with Jeff Johns, his two like like his two kind of big claims to fame for me in terms of, in terms of like what sticks out in my mind the most about him is he kowtowed to essentially comic terrorism and brought Hal Jordan back as a good guy. Like erasing everything he wronged, how Jordan ever did, mm-hmm. and Superman and Wonder Woman. Those are both those are both Jeff Johns things, and they are both they are both in my fucking at least at least to what I see, they are both the they are both the things that the fucking worst aspects of the comic community wanted. Mm-hmm. Because I would find Hal Jordan infinitely more interesting if he was straight up responsible for genocide. But no, space bug. Are you talking about parallax. back in the day when he killed the, yeah, yeah. When, when, he, when, he became, yeah, yeah. when he became parallax, right. that was, I know, yeah, I know that story. Yeah. I, yeah so I guess for anybody who doesn't know, uh, back in, back in the day, like I'm thinking like the eighties, uh, late eighties, early nineties, yeah, late eighties, early nineties. Yeah. Uh, there was a story, yeah. there was a storyline released by DC called Emerald Knights. It was after the death of Superman when the reign of Superman happened, and Hal Jordan City got nuked with, through. Well, that's that, that's definitely nineties then. If it was after death of Superman, yeah, yeah, yeah. How, yeah, how Jordan City got fucking nuked uh, by Mongol and Cyborg Superman. Hal tried to bring it back to life with the fucking ring, and the Guardians were like, "Nah, son." Mm. So Hal went fucking nuts, uh, started killing the lanterns, stealing their rings, and going to Oa to fucking like absorb the power, absorb the fucking main battery core to bring a city back. 
Yeah, he created essentially a, a, his city, like a version of it, and like went like mad, like because he destroyed it all. Yeah, like, yeah, what, yeah. And then yeah. created like his own like. <laughs> yeah, what, what, went, went there, destroyed the battery, essentially killed the core, and became Parallax, the villain. Mm-hmm. And until yeah, and so then, and so then for a while, Cal Rayner was the only fucking Green Lantern. All that should happen. That was the good thing that came out of that, though. Yeah. Was the Kyle yeah. Rayner yeah. coming? All, out. all that should yeah. all that should happened. Uh, Parallax. Went on to do more villainy before eventually becoming the son. And then Hal Jordan came back as the Spectre. Right. <laughs> and when that happened, a fucking massive contingent of comic fans started a move, started, yeah, joined forces to create Heat, what they called Hal's Emerald Action Team, which was essentially a like phone and snail mail style campaign to try to rally comic fans behind the, behind this fucking cause of forcing DC comics to rewrite their history. So that how Jordan did nothing wrong, <laughs> but for a while it stuck, but then they kowtowed and Jeff Johns came in and created the emotional spectrum fucking deities. Right. And parallax the space bug. And and in doing so, completely wiped Jor- Hal's fucking slate clean. He was now completely innocent of everything. It was all space bug mind control. <clears throat> they retconned it. Yeah. yeah, which I just fucking hate that. I like I, I, I get it. I get it. It's comics. It, I get that it's part of comics. It's something I have to accept. But and and for the, and for a good chunk of the things, I'm fine with it for the most part. But this one thing is something that really bugged me because it was one of the more interesting fucking directions to take a character. Like this was a fucking silver age legacy character who was a mass murderer. I mean, and not only that, in the fashion that they did it, it actually made the character a little bit more interesting. If you think about it, because he actually had for remorse for some of his actually, that he actually did. And not oh, no, only yeah. that, that's why he became brought, the son. Right. And it brought in Kyle Rayner as a result of it because they're like, we need a new green lantern. Like yeah. there was, uh, I, I've been, DC actually is, just not to go off too much of a tangent, it's been re-releasing the Kyle Rayner stuff in trade paperbacks. I think they're up to volume two right now. And I've actually been picking them up. I've been reading them because I've never read the Kyle Rayner stuff. And it's not bad. And and uh, there's an issue where he comes back and tries to take the ring from Kyle. <laughs> and he's just like, hey, I'm, he's like, I'm back now. Like He's just like, give me that ring. And like earlier, after that whole parallax thing happened, he had to go and like whoop his ass <laughs> and then, <laughs> at Kyle Rayner. And then he shows up and he's like, he's at that point in time, he was kind of doubting himself as the Green Lantern. And then, you know, he essentially was just like, no, like, I'm not giving this back to you. Yeah, and that's fuck you. And that's I'm Green Lantern, yeah. bitch. And that's when he kind of becomes like the guardian or something before he became Spectre and all that shit you just mentioned. Like he, he kind of had this big armor on him and he had the gray in his hair. Yeah, that was Parallax. Was, that's, was that Parallax? No, but he wasn't a bad guy at this point, though. This is like, is he was, this is, this is, uh, he kind of threw, the, maybe like that's just, he put that armor back on then. At the yeah, 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 this, yeah, this, yeah, the, oh, yeah, okay. yeah, him, him in the armor with the gray with the fucking Reed Richards salt and pepper. That's parallax. Ah, okay, okay. So that, so that, so he wasn't parallax at that time, but he, I guess, he was still walking around. Yeah, that in the was same kind of attire. I guess that, I, I guess that was like the last physical form he had before fucking right. Before he became the sun. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, because because he's kind of like yeah. Don't and I'm worry, pretty sure I'm that's what go. happened. That, that, that was zero hour, right? When the sun fucking shut off, and then Kyle and then that, Hal Jordan had to go restart it. 
That I haven't read, admittingly, um, I, and I have only I'm, read I'm just, some I'm of the Johnson. Right? I'm not. I'm not misremembering that, right? Like I've I've been saying. I've heard that before. Yeah, I've been saying he before. becomes the sun so much. I'm starting to disbelieve it. <laughs> you've mentioned it on the show before, so I'm really just going off of what you've said in the past. That I don't know to be fact, actually. Yeah. But I'm a double check this. Yeah. <laughs> so you get into your thoughts on this. Uh, yeah. Um, I liked this issue overall, though, uh, Doomsday Clock. Um, but yeah, you're absolutely right about the thoughts on uh, John's. I don't think that's you're in the wrong by saying that. Uh, but yeah, by the end of this, you kind of get the whole envisioning of Superman. So the whole the chess pieces now are moving to set up the Superman Ozymandias throwdown at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so he. Ozymandias is now kind of here to sit, stay, it seems like. He's kind of. He's interested in what's going on. Superman's still kind of looming in the background. They're still kind of seeing him do stuff on TV. It's kind of more like the threat of Superman is kind of being played up as the Ozymandias, very overpowerful alien on Earth. Kind of like, essentially, kind of like Watchmen was. Like how people were afraid of how powerful Ozymandias was. And that's essentially Superman in this story, I would say. Yeah. Um, Okay, so. Yeah. Small correction. While Parallax okay. was a main was one was a was a main bad guy in Zero Hour, it was not Zero Hour where he became the sun, it was the final night. Okay. But he did become the the actual sun for the like Earth? Is that what you mean? Like Yeah, so uh, yeah, so wow. yeah, so I'm just going to um read this sentence. Yep. Uh, so, Parallax sacrifices his life to absorb the Sun Eater and reignite the Sun, simultaneously using his powers to safely restore it to its original form without causing any side effects, such as the mass flooding that would have resulted if the Sun had had been restored purely by Luther's plan. <laughs> yeah, the final night was, I guess, a dude ate the Sun. Because the, because the bad guy is a villain called Sun Eater. Huh. Now that's a that's a weird choice. Yeah, and and the cover is just the fucking main five Justice Leaguers: Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, Flash, and Green Lantern, Kyle Rayner, just all standing in the snow in the night. Oh, yeah, I know that's is that did Stuart Eminem draw that? Yes, he did. Right, I've seen that issue before. Yep. Okay, I've never written, read it. Written by Carl Kessel. Huh. Yeah, you, and you've read this, or you just, you've heard about it? I have before, not. I just know that Hal Jordan becomes the sun. That's fucking weird. That's before the Spectre. Uh, yeah, that, that that's what leads to him becoming the Spectre, I think. Wow, so John's really, it was the only reason they brought him back to, like, what he, I guess, essentially, like... Oh, yeah, like, some, like, like, hell, the only, huh. reason, the only reason Hal Jordan became the Spectre in the first place was because fans were like, we want Hal Jordan back! <laughs> and then DC's like, fine, he's the fucking Spectre, and they're like, no! Right, because Kyle Rayner even was Green Lantern leading into Morrison's JLA. Oh yeah, he's he's the Green Lantern. And he's the Green Lantern right. involved in the Tower of Power. All of the, yeah, so he was basically Green Lantern throughout the rest of the '90s. After that happened, yeah, huh. yeah, he, yeah. For for a number for a number of people, like probably around our age, that's their Green Lantern. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, the same, same uh, thing. Same thing with like Wally West. Huh. Interesting. Yeah, that's good. That's a nice little sidebar conversation there. I didn't. Uh, but yeah, that's a shame if that's the case. And um, like you said, with John's kind of changing that whole aspect of him and his history. Um, but I guess you know that's what they hired him to do, and I'm yeah. sure, right? That's what they wanted. Yeah. But, so uh, Jeff Johns, I 
He is a man who he's a man who I am very conflicted on because on the one hand he wrote Hush, on the other hand he is a writer on the DC on the fucking DC Universe Titan series. Mm-hmm. So, you know, six of one, four dozen of the other. Yeah, and for the two people wondering if we will ever do anything about that show, don't worry, it's coming. <laughs> That's right. So anyway, uh, Doomsday Clock. Yeah, so what did you think of this issue overall? It was okay. Hmm. That's kind of where I'm sitting with the series right now, just, that's eh, okay. Like, like it's not like some fucking <clears throat> big, grandiose epic like it's supposed to be, but it also isn't abject garbage. Yeah, it's one of those things where I definitely have to say that my enjoyment is less so because of the fact that it's been staggered at, at a two-month pace. Yeah, I think that, if this that doesn't was coming help. out more regularly. Yeah, I think I'd be appreciative. Although I will say there has been a bunch of great moments that we have discussed throughout these issues that I have enjoyed throughout yeah, the series. But, but, ima- but imagine whole- if, but imagine if, like, instead of doing it at this staggered two-month schedule, they just announced it, then finished all the issues, then released them weekly. Oh fuck, that'd be great. That'd be I fucking mean- amazing. Yeah, that's what I mean. I think it would be way more impactful and we'd have a way better time. Like, I wasn't reading comics weekly at all, reading comics at all at this point, but something that I wish I got to be a part of, for instance, was like I heard like how fun like the 52 was. Yeah. Like an event, an event like that, like when they had all those fucking good writers kind of taking turns on issues week to week and there was like kind of different aspects of the story happening and I've still yet to read it, um, but I've heard Wait, how still good it 52? is. No, dude. No, I know. I have it. I have the omnibus. I have it. I just haven't read it. I just haven't oh, gone to it. I know, but that's what I mean. But like, th- like something like that sounds. And and as far as I know, I've heard like all the issues were coming out on time. Like that. Like that. Something yeah. like that would. Yeah, uh, it was a similar kind of thing with uh, the Batman Eternals. I was reading that for a bit, but I didn't stick with it. No, um, I, I don't mean I don't mean on the same scale or like level of quality oh, as like weekly fifty two. Right, right, right. But but I mean right, like right. in terms of a weekly story released on time sure. for a year. Sure, that's what I mean. Like something like that can be fun. You know what I mean? Like like that's like yeah, that, especially that, especially when it's a fucking mystery. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, yeah, but this is kind of like piece by piece. We're getting like. Another piece of the pot, like, like you know, and I, like I said, that's why it's kind of foreshadowing the whole Superman Ozymandias th- throwdown. But dude, we've been waiting like two fucking what three years now since Rebirth started for this, Something like, that. like, yeah, and or, or you're or you're still fucking yeah, like not at this point. <laughs> like, like, come on, man. Yeah, like, they're building to the pay per view. They've been building to the pay per view for like half a decade. Um, yeah. So. Not that, like I said, they're not that there hasn't been good individual moments so far throughout these issues, and and I, I definitely enjoy these more while we when we talk about them on the show. Like I, it gives me a little bit more of an appreciation. I actually sometimes walk away liking the issue more after we discuss it. Actually, to be truth be told, but um, but yeah, this like you said, it was okay. I did enjoy it. Um, it wasn't definitely wasn't my favorite issue of the series, but um, I'm interested. I'm I'm liking that finally we're mixing it up with. Both sides, Watchmen and DC Universe, though. Fucking right? finally. Yeah, like the last, I think, two issues is when we finally started ha- having that happen. So, yeah. Um, yeah, so, yeah, so it's not bad. All right, then. Yeah. From that, let's move on to the other one. Heroes yeah. in Crisis. 
still conflicted on this. I don't know about you, but I'm... Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> so, uh, it's fucking... It's this fucking book. <laughs> Again, I like some aspects of it, but as a whole... Mm-mm. Yeah, like, the, the thing I actually <laughs> like the most uh, is a... I, I have one page that I can say I unambiguously like. Confessional part? Yeah, the, yeah, the Poison Ivy confessional. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, and I don't know if this is the actual, like, if, the, if it was the actual artistic intent behind it or if I'm just seeing it. But j- just, like, we start out with Poison Ivy and she is just kind of, like, stone-faced, neutral mask kind of thing. Then Harley Quinn comes in and we see a very, very, very slight smile. Mm-hmm. Just, just kind of, like, it's it's a really good bit with those characters. Yeah, the artist did a good job, I think, of conveying um, the character's feelings, like as as he rolls out this kind of nine-panel, you know, Watchmen-type grid. Yeah, uh, I, I liked it a lot. The that's my favorite part about these books so far is the confessional moments, actually. Yeah, yeah. So, so this issue um, deals. So this issue is again kind of split between three different perspectives: the main trio perspective, Booster Gold, and Harley Quinn. Uh, the main trio is all sitting there and everybody's shitting on Batman. Just, just like, hey, you probably fuck, you put some like backdoor in there, right? To study us some fucking shit. And he's like, fucking no, God damn it. I did that once. <laughs> yeah. They're like, uh, like, come on. Like, I got kryptonite on you. <laughs> yeah, it's like, I mean, yeah, I do, but like fucking come on, dude. Yeah. Which you find out afterwards with the, that, well, I we'll, liked we'll, how, we'll yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're we're, we're going to go through a bit more. Okay. If that's the thing that Bernie was asking about, then uh, he's I, not, I'm, but we will get to that. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, we also get, uh, we also get, uh, in this issue, confessionals from the Trinity, uh, where Batman goes, yeah, I'm fucked. Wonder Woman goes, yeah, I'm fucked. I can deal with it. And Superman goes, I have horrible identity issues because both sides of my life are just exaggerated perspectives of what I am and I don't know who I am anymore. I like the Superman moment. Yeah, I that, that. That, was, that was a good confessional page. Like it, that was, I was in, I did not like Batman's confessional, but I liked Superman's quite a bit. Yeah. I forget. What was, what was the big takeaway from Batman's confessional? I mean, he basically showed emotion. Like, you know what I mean? Like he basically was like, he was talking and he basically put his like kind of face palm, like put his hand. He basically said like, I'm sorry. Like he basically, like he can't do this. Like first he's just looming in the corner and then he's kind of, and then he kind of gets into the whole Jason Todd, like kind of partners thing. Yeah, and yeah, I guess he, about, he talks about like, I've had many partners that I've trained in for this life and I've had to watch a bunch of them die. Right. And, and true to form, this is something the only, maybe one of the only things Batman has ever shown kind of some sort of emotional kind of, the uh, attachment to is the losses that he's had due to like how he's fucked up some of his partner's lives as a result of you know being batman yeah and and because because it's his crusade he's kind of dragged in all these other people with him so i get it it did seem true in that sense but at the same time i just didn't believe it wasn't believable to me that he would kind of break down in a confessional while it was being monitored in this house you understand? Like, yeah, well, it doesn't well, seem like... Well, that's like, the thing. Yeah. Like, if, if anybody else had set this up, I would understand that. But he built this. Right. So, I do not know why he would be basically in there himself confessing 
this to these fucking, like, whatever robot system they got hooked up here because he knows that this shit just comes back to haunt you. You know what I mean? Like, like he, he of all people, should not be fucking in that... That's what I mean. Well, that's, no, no, I, I, well, actually, that's the thing. I... That actually makes more sense to me because, like, because, like, the entire, so? yeah, the entire issue. Anytime, any, anytime, fucking Wonder Woman, like one B or Soups, brought up the idea of, oh, someone could use it against us. Batman's like, fuck you, I built this, no one's getting in. Mm-hmm. And so, him having built that, I could see him uh, believing okay. that no one else could get into it, so he would be able to <laughs> open up a bit more. He's confident, you're saying, to kind of express this to, okay, yeah, yeah. that nothing's going to be written. Okay, I, that's an interesting angle. I didn't think of it like that. Yeah, yeah because, he, d- because he does say that, like, end of every right. day, shit gets deleted. Mm-hmm. Just, just like they come in, they talk to Sanctuary. Sanctuary shoves whatever fucking needles in their dick hole it needs to, and they walk away feeling better. <laughs> and, then, and, then, and, then, th- and then as soon as they're gone, it's just like a fucking shredder going inside their heads. I mean, it all always goes back to, honestly, Tower of Babel. <laughs> like, there's many moments in this, like the kryptonite thing, where, like, we know you have it. Like, <laughs> like come on, yeah. you, you must have a backup. Like, you know everything, right? Okay, and, and when <laughs> okay, and when did, what fucking timeline are we in? Because I, I thought the kryptonite Batman carries on him was given to him by Superman. It was. Uh, there actually was a instance, I don't know if it was in Batman by King or the recent Bendis Superman stuff, where they even made reference to the fact that Superman allows him to keep the kryptonite on him. So, Tom King, obviously, either if he wrote that, he didn't realize that he wrote that at some point, or it may have been the Bendis stuff. But you're right, I did read that recently in one of the DC books where it's, they, they solidified the fact that Superman allows him to keep that in case he goes out of control. Yeah, like he, so, he like that's something he knows that he yeah, has, and it yeah. wouldn't be the kind of thing that like and so it doesn't make se- so like with that speech with the speech bubble thing is like you probably got fucking crypto on you don't you and so it doesn't make it doesn't make sense Superman saying that because he knows and really would and wouldn't really make sense with Wonder Woman saying that because that seems like the kind of thing either one of them would tell her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he kind of slipped up with that. I think um, while that was a funny moment. I thought, yeah, that kind of that you're right. That doesn't make sense in the grand scheme of things because they they know that he he has kryptonite. Yeah, and then we get or, to the, or Superman does anyways. Yeah. yeah, and so all that's happening. Um, the Wonder Woman stuff, uh, the Wonder Woman confessional, I it's okay. Yeah, I they're going, they're going least they're, interesting they're going for the more warrior side of things with her, mm-hmm. and that's kind of. And that, that was the whole thing. Like her, her whole thing was like, hey, when I was a fucking kid, I would wake up with horrible nightmares. I went to go find my mom, and my mom had a fucking arrow in her lung. Mm. So I went back, and I had more nightmares, but I started biting my lip. And then it kind of ends with her saying, like, hey, I understand what you're doing, and that's a good thing. But I've always been better at biting my lip. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think he has a – King has a better handle, definitely, obviously, with Batman and, and Superman, I think, in this over her. Hers was fine. There was nothing yeah, wrong yeah, her, with her, it. It was fine. It's just it but, was a – it yeah. was kind of a surface-level feeling thing. Absolutely. Like, I mean, that, like Diana like, is a warrior princess, so mm-hmm. she doesn't need therapy. Mm-hmm. But yeah. And then, and then, so then let's move over to the Booster Gold stuff and save the, the Harley Quinn stuff for last. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so Booster Gold, he wakes up in a puddle. The puddle we left him in last issue. As Skeets flies over and goes, yo, dumbass. <laughs> Fucking turn yourself in. He's like, now nah, I'm going to go do what Batman would do, which isn't the thing Batman would do. Yes. 
I'm I'm Mr. Good Plan. And yeah, so he goes and fucking tries to track down the Flash. Then the Flash fucking then he tells the Flash, "Hey, yeah, so fucking Wally's dead. That was weird, right?" Yeah, which he does not know at this point. Nope. Like this, yeah. And he does so. not. And he does not take it well because the second he comes back, he's like, "You, Booster Gold, who I know for who I know have who I have known for a while and have no and know as a hero. What did you do, murdering my friend?" Yeah, you have the dramatic full page spread of "What did you do?" He just punches him in the face. <laughs> yeah. Which, yeah, given that he okay. just got stabbed and said his force field was down, he shouldn't have a jaw. <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> yeah, it was okay. I, I'm not crazy about Booster like some fans are. Like, I know he has his fans. No, yeah, I'm... like, like I, I like Booster Gold. I don't like Tom King's Booster Gold, because Tom King's Booster Gold is fucking crazy. Yeah, he's, quir- he's um like, quirky and, like, um... What's the word? Um, not eccentric? ironic, but yes, thank you. Eccentric. Yeah, he's very eccentric, and yeah, I just no, don't. No, he's not. He's not even that. He is like, in his own words, actually kind of crazy, insane. Yeah. Yeah, like, um, like he, like he does, like, like one of the reasons he doesn't turn himself in is because, like, he says, he says the reason he doesn't turn himself in is because he's worried that they'll think that by turning himself in, they'll think he didn't when he, they'll think he did this when he didn't, or they'll think he didn't do it when he did. He doesn't even know whether he doesn't know whether or not he fucking killed these people, even though, according to him, he saw Harley Quinn kill these people. Yeah, in this issue, they're both basically blaming the other for kind of what happened. Yeah. Uh, But. I mean, as revealed, when we get to the Harley Quinn part, she has a moment with yeah Wonder Woman's rope. And essentially, even though she, she held it when she basically said Booster did it, and essentially what it came out true, if she truly believes in her head that he did it, then that's basically what she would say. It yeah. doesn't matter whether or not it's the truth. Yeah. It's whatever it's, she believes. Yeah. It's not lying if you believe you're telling the truth. Right. So that's either, A, something because she she's also crazy and she just essentially thinks that, she's convinced herself, or B, someone or something is basically fucking with their minds yeah. that we haven't even you know, been and uh, like br- like shown in this story as of yet. Yeah, so. but th- yeah, but then we see fucking they do an autopsy on fucking uh, on uh, Citizen Steel, Commander Steel, or one of the Steels. Right. I yeah. I I'm not that I'm not familiar with the character, and I've been watching Legends of Tomorrow, where one of two versions of him are there, so I don't know what he's called. So I'm just gonna call him Steel. Mm-hmm. I know it's also a different guy, but shut up. Right. <laughs> yeah, so they no, cut, I know what you meant. Yeah, yeah, so they cut him open and pull out a pull out a set of fucking wind up chattering teeth, implicating Harley Quinn. Will you? Which? Yeah. I I, I, I don't know. That, the this, Harley this, part is, if you want to yeah. get into that, is my least favorite part about this issue. Yeah, like they, they they are set they are setting up this they are setting up a fucking. This is all this is all an obvious red herring. Yeah. Like, it, like, it's setting up as this big murder mystery, but we have two suspects, and both of them are not them, are not the ones who did it, because of course they fucking aren't. <clears throat> right, which, if any of you guys listened to our episode a couple episodes ago, this is horribly reminding us, uh, at least me at this point, of Identity Crisis, that part of it. 
I would be way more into this if it reminded me more of Identity Crisis because with Identity Crisis, that was actually there wasn't anything to go off of, so you could actually you could like start building a mystery that way. But with this, we go in and we already have two people who are who are who are set up as prime suspects, and so neither of them matter. So then the story is going to be all about our fucking main characters realizing neither of these guys are the fucking one they want, and the other two of them doing fuck all. Mm-hmm. Then let's get to Harley no, Quinn. You're, no, you're right. It, it, it is a little different. Um, two issues in. I just meant the whole. No, I, I get. I get you. Mystery that's not really a well put together mystery so far. <laughs> but yeah, yeah so anyways, far. Go on. So with Harley Quinn, uh, it starts out with her going to the Penguin to find a safe house. I guess. Uh, getting herself back in her old non-Suicide Squad costume. Which, I kind of like that that's, that, that that suits back. Yeah, same. Like, I have not liked her weird fucking roller punk aesthetic. Mm-hmm. Which she has, actually, in this first uh, confessional with um, Poison Ivy. She's kind of rocking one of those yeah. uh, costumes. But then she kind of... The next pa- panel, you get her kind of making her way, yeah, to this uh, penguin kind of to the iceberg lounge. Yeah, yeah, sanctuary area. She kind of is hiding out in, and uh, yeah, and and and, and, and then and then the trio bursts in, and the, and the safe house she's hanging out where she's playing poker with a penguin. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and then and then she reveals that she reveals all oh, this was part of her plan. At which point she steals Wonder Woman's lasso, wraps it around Batman's neck, steals his kryptonite, and runs away. Yep. <laughs> Which just fucking God. Yeah, this bugged me. Remember when Harley Quinn was just a crazy person? Yeah. Before she became a fucking ninja? Yeah, this overpowering of the character because she's popular was pissed me right off. Like, I kind of scratched my head at this part because I'm like, really? And then not only that... Whether or not he was being serious, and I really hope he wasn't writing him to be serious, I hope that Superman was really just poking fun at Batman. He essentially says she's smarter or better than you. Is she, is she smarter than you, or that she's better than you? He says something along the lines of that. Yeah, no, 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 he's like, he's like, she may have been better than you. And he's like, she's not better than me. She, well, yeah. She might be. I was, I was like, like, no, fucking no. Yeah, yeah. Let's not go crazy. <laughs> I was like, wait a second. That's what I mean. I really hope he was just trying to like egg him on there. Uh, yeah. But that was that was kind of like I, I was like, are you fucking kidding me right now? <laughs> like, yeah. like the Trinity. Like you got away from the Trinity like that yeah. easily. Like, yeah. and then Wonder Woman just standing around. Like, what is yeah, she, she does doing? Nothing. <laughs> yeah, like, like like fucking Superman flies off to go deal with fucking Barry and Booster, but then Wonder Woman, who can fly is just standing around going like you want to get lunch yeah yeah like oh boys boys <laughs> it's just like look at you two <laughs> yeah it's like motherfucker you think she killed your friends walk briskly towards her yeah that that part was fucked like that is that is to me like i really hate that this is somewhat like these events are editorial editorially driven because King is basically like he stated trying to use the pieces that they let him use for this event. But the fact that he has to use Harley Quinn for this scene 
is ridiculous. Like, this is, this should not, like, even if the fucking roles were reversed, put Booster in that situation. Like, it just, it didn't make any sense. Like, that her, and whatever, I get it. They've been making her a little bit overpowered over the last few years because of her popularity. But this is, this is something else. Like, this is ridiculous. Yeah, like, 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 even, <laughs> like, even in the fucking Harley Quinn book that I stopped reading because yeah. she was getting a bit much. Yeah, well, yeah absolutely. She absolutely. was, she was still like, she Relati- was teaming up with characters she should not be. <laughs> like, yeah, but was she like, was still relatively Harley Quinn. Oh, yeah, sure. Well, yeah. I, I, like, yeah, her fucking, like, black book was getting fucking massive. But when paired up against people who can fight toe-to-toe with Power Girl, she's not fucking mm-hmm. going in and 1v1-ing them. Mm-hmm. She's, mainly just standing on the, she's mainly just standing on the sidelines with kind of like her cleavage out, making dick jokes. <laughs> Which, yeah, and- sure, I guess. Yeah, but listen, I'm not even trying to say that she can't have a great moment. She can't successfully pull something off. Oh, no, she can't. She, like, th- this like, that, is that, not it, though. Like, that, like, like, <laughs> here's the thing. Like, at her kind of base level, she is a fucking doctor. So her having a smart moment, that is 100% within the realm of possibility. She is a fucking, she is a fucking board-certified psychiatrist. But nobody leans into that, and they just kind of lean into, oh, she's crazy, and fights good. Mm-hmm. Like, fuck, I don't know dude. what bugs me more, though, that she pulled this off, or like I said, Wonder Woman basically just sat there. <laughs> like, that like, was like, and Superman, for that yeah. matter. <laughs> like, like, I was yeah, like, fuck, Superman could have <laughs> caught her, and Superman could have caught her, tied her up, brought her back to the, the, the fucking other two, and then gone and flown off to fucking deal with fucking Barry and Booster I'm, before a second had passed. Yeah, like, I mean... Again, I I don't even think like she would take Batman out, but Batman has tangled with her enough. She may know Batman enough in this situation to maybe kind of catch him slipping for a second. But yeah. the fact of the matter is, and he is not super powered. But the fact of the matter is, Wonder Woman and Superman just standing there and letting her get away just did not make any sense to me. I was nope. like, what? I was like, if you guys really think she's the murderer here, like you can't just let her fucking like, oh, you know, Tulu, like, like fuck yeah. off like that. Like, I was yeah, like, it's what? like you you think she murdered a bunch of your friends? You should do more than no, stop, come back. <laughs> yeah, so really underwritten, like that whole fucking scene was fucked. That that's why. As I mentioned, I liked certain parts of this issue again, but I'm very fucking conflicted overall because this is just not, this story is not engaging me to the point where I think it's great yet. And, and for that matter, things like that really take me out of the story. Yeah. Like I was like, what the fuck? Like, what is this? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, It's not great. Uh, yeah, no, I, I, I'm glad we agree on that because that was, I was like, I was like, oh, I can't wait to talk about this on the show because that really, like, I was like, come on. I was like, what is this? Yep, and and then the, and then the thing, and then the, and then the issue ends with Lois Lane asking a fellow editor how grammar works. <laughs> Not only that, she's wearing like the sluttiest office attire ever. I was like, what's going on? Yeah, yeah, she, 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 she just fucking out there, mini skirt, fucking everything, like. Like, you know, wear, wear whatever you want, but, like, it's professional environment, people. <laughs> That's the thing. You get and, the yeah. Harley moment, followed by that moment, but then you have a great ending last page of the Superman confessional. It's very conflicting. Like, yeah, I'm just like, oh, I, this, is, this is good. This is garbage. Like, I'm just like, I don't know what to, to think It's here. the hard swings. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I don't know. Oh. <laughs> 
Yeah. But even less so than Doomsday. This is less cohesive so far, like in terms of like good quality moments than Doomsday Clock is. Yeah, like, yeah, because yeah, it, it's it's really weird, and I don't know why. Like they are both like single story. They, they're like they are both fucking big central kind of mystery thing with a with a sprawling amount of characters. But with Doomsday Clock, we at least have like a cohesive through line throughout. Meanwhile, with fucking right. uh, Heroes in Crisis. It is so splintered and with breaks that don't make any sense and the characters so much not acting like themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I know. It's, it's, yeah, that's what I mean. I'm very conflicted and kind of like, like while I enjoy talking about it, while I'll keep reading it, I can't say I'm loving it so far whatsoever because like it's just too many different variables where I'm just like, yeah, this isn't great. That's not great. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it's, it's so, I don't know. Anyways, what was Birdie's, question that you so, wanted to birdie yeah yeah so um earlier in the week uh birdie texted me um saying saying um this is gonna seem like a weird question but hear me out is dc hypocritical with how they treat batman in the context of the whole dc universe sorry you cut out there for a moment on my end so is dc hypocritical and how they yeah, yeah is dc hypocritical and how they treat batman in the context of the whole dc universe <clears throat> And he and so I didn't really understand what he said meant by that at first. Right. So I texted him back like, "Hey, what do you mean?" In what sense? And so yeah. he expanded on it. Maybe it's just me, but they seem to write Batman storylines that push him towards the worst, his worst tendencies, and then write other stories criticizing him for his worst tendencies at the same time. <laughs> That's an interesting observation, actually. Which, yeah, because um, like thinking back on it, uh, like one of the one of the Batman ones that kind of stands out the most in my mind right. in the last few years was right after Damien died. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right after Damien died, Batman um, essentially assaulted Jason Todd to try to get him to for- to try to force him to talk about how he died and coming and come back. Is this during his Batman and Robin Tomasi world tour of fucking yeah. grieving? <laughs> okay, yes. Yeah. Yeah. And then when he dissected Frankenstein, right? Yes. <laughs> and then immediately after that, and immediately after that, in the storyline, um, everybody was like, "Why the fuck did you do that? You goddamn lunatic!" Which and, and fuck, looking at looking at fucking Doomsday Clock, right? With with Doomsday Clock, he put fucking Rorschach in there doing what he right. doing, you know what he does. But then the second he gets out, the second like anything happens, uh, Ozymandias is like, "Yo, you're a fucking dumbass." I I mean, I would like some more time to think on this, just to kind of bring up other kind of things I can um, pinpoint to for reference. Although I will say this, I think it's mostly. It's really just whatever works to his advantage at the time. I think it's just like he's definitely, yeah, he definitely flip flops on his kind of like and his beliefs. I think if it kind of serves him to his purposes at that at any specific giving moment, and whether or not that's something that DC has set out to kind of do for the character, but yeah, he's definitely not consistent in that sense, like consistently written. Yeah, that's a real good question, actually. I, I have to think on that. I don't know. What do you think? I uh, uh, I, 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 I kind of really agree with them. Like, like it's it's a lot of just he does a thing that's kind of morally questionable, and then the next and then the next fucking bit or whatever, everybody's yelling at him about his morally questionable stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, fuck, uh, we we talked about like Tower mm-hmm. of Owl stuff. Right, right. Yeah, I know that's a good point. Like, they were. Uh, criticizing him for what he did, and in this issue, they're like, "Please tell me you have a backup plan to this." <laughs> yeah, and, and yeah, that's he's, true. And he's like, 
no. And everybody's like, you fucking, don't fucking lie to us. <clears throat> Again, they actually did it in uh, metal as well. Uh, metal was the same kind of kind of bullshit. Yeah. Um, they're they're hating on him the whole fucking time during metal because to the point where he basically had to like, you know, like take every try to take everybody down in his quest to basically do what he thought was the right move. Did you actually it finish out, metal? Did I finish reading metal? Yeah. Yep. I gave up. Yeah, no, I read it, and in the grand scheme of things, as ridiculous as a story as it was, that one fucking ongoing source wall fucking storyline kind of did connect to the Justice League yeah. books in a sense. Anyways, and hey, everybody, not to get, get into that. Hey, everybody, speaking of metal, get ready for the Batman Who Laughs coming this December. <laughs> yeah, written by, uh, drawn by your favorite artist, Jock. Ooh! <laughs> Which I know you're also not a fan of, so... Um, <laughs> anyway, I mean, what if yeah. Batman was the Joker? <laughs> Who would ever think that idea? I'll be reading it. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll be fucking reading it too, dude. Who am I kidding? I can do all uh, the woos I want, but I'll still fucking read it. <laughs> but yeah, Metal, same thing. Metal, the Justice League, basically, was, and although he did make. <laughs> the wrong decision in metal and fucked everybody over um you know again like it it led to the eventual um you know the next path that the dc universe kind of yeah no so you're right so they they do definitely bend the rules for him in the sense like you like he stated like he, where they're pushing him in a direction where he's kind of working against himself essentially is what you're saying birdie kind of it's like they're criticizing him yet kind of embracing the fact that he like he does these things. Is that, is um, that no, no, no. It's I, th- I think what Bernie was going for was that th- that, that people keep running storylines that make Batman do terrible things. Right. Absolutely. And yeah. then okay. and then every subsequent story is They're shaming him for. Yeah. It. <laughs> OK. Yeah. No, he's, he's got a good point. Yeah. So that was Bernie's. No, yeah. Yeah. Probably, probably no, got, he, yeah. Probably, he probably could have expanded on it more if he was here, but he's got to fucking work like some kind of weird fucking, <laughs> like some kind of fucking Emperor Mao motherfucker. I don't know. <laughs> Try to expand beyond just calling him a communist. Yeah. Um. So yeah, uh, this wasn't that great. Fucking crazy <laughs> of people, asshole. Anyway, yeah. So that's that. Uh, that was a great question, though. I mean, a good uh, thing that Bertie brought up. Yeah, I, yeah, I'd like to think of that more. Maybe next episode when he, re- he returns and we're all on together, I, I'd like uh, him to talk on that a little bit more. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, that is interesting. But, uh, but yeah, uh, this was not so interesting. <laughs> yeah. So then, from that, on to our regular things. So, if you are new to the show, normally what happens when it's just a two-person podcast, uh, we will do, we will talk about four books each. Two chosen by the other person, two chosen by us from our list. Because me and, me and Nico tend to read a lot. Yeah. Uh, however, for this one, um, we're just going with we're just going with two books each. Uh, one picked by us, one picked by the other person. Just for sake of time, brevity. It's pretty late where we are. Yeah. And we don't want the show to go fucking four hours. Right. So, And, and the fact that we kind of piled on a lengthy discussion of an hour on two event yeah. books at this point, right? So I think that's... That's really what a lot of people, if you're here for kind of more of the uh, juicy, up-to-date inf- information on those books, I think that's always a good discussion, right, is those events. Yeah. So, yeah, so. yeah we, we try to keep up those as much as we can. 
Yeah, it's it's nice because we actually get to collab and kind of you know both talk on, on the same book. I I do like that when we kind of can talk about like a roundtable discussion, right? So yep. Anyways, so you want to go first here, or am I? Uh, or? Right, yeah, sure. So let's talk about Border Town. Let's. Yeah, so <clears throat> Border Town is a new book from Vertigo. Yeah. Um, written by um, Eric M. Esquivel and um. So, so from I just this is just from the fucking second issue page. So I don't know what their positions are because I can't find a real fucking credits page in this. Oh, yeah, like, like not... yeah, like of, of what I've seen so far. Um, sometimes they put it at the end of the issue, which is kind of annoying. Like you just <laughs> like if it's not on the okay, like sometimes no, they'll put you know so no so it is at the end of the issue. Fuck it, goddamn it. Yeah, see, <laughs> yeah, so um. Eric M. Uh, Esquivel, sorry, I'm mispronouncing any of these names, uh, on story, and um, Ramon uh, Villalobos on art. Okay. I know the artist. I'm not familiar with the writer, but... Yeah. yeah. And, um... <clears throat> He's kind of got, like, a Frank Quietly style somewhat. Oh, yeah. Right. 100%. Okay. Right. Which is cool. So, hey, have you heard about this? People, especially in America... Have a problem with Mexicans. <laughs> they don't like the Mexicans. <laughs> I know yes, this. I know I've... this is a hot take. Sure, this is news to me. <laughs> yeah, it's it's been pretty quiet. Uh, there's this, there's this whole caravan thing. Look it up. But yeah, so uh, yeah, so this is that. It is a it is a town in uh, the in like I think Texas, one of one of the border states, and it is all and it is all about um. And it's all about this, these fucking people. A um, couple of them of Mexican heritage, a couple of them of other heritages, and they discover that the town, on top of on top of being a border between countries, also border between dimensions, where there is oh. where there is where there is this whole other dimension that has fucking that it, that has like a that is like you know Mexican themed supernatural entities living in it that can just kind of <laughs> come and go for come and go through the border. Um, that sounds fun. Yeah, and then also uh, the horrible racists of the town are all slowly being replaced by the, like we're being replaced they live style by giant fucking monsters. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, and so as they should. <laughs> yeah, and so our main central group of dudes that we focus on um, is um, Quinte. I'm hope I'm pronouncing that right. Um, a mentally challenged young man uh, who. Constantly wears a luchador mask. Uh, then we got um, they got this other guy um, whose name escapes me. I'm currently trying to look it up right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, who is who is a new kid moving into town? Um, he is half Mexican. Um, and they gets him into a bit of trouble at the start of things because when he starts out, uh, he shows up at school. Um, and a skinhead ends up trying ends up befriending him. Until he realizes he's half Mexican, at which point he tries to fucking kill him. Oh fuck! <laughs> yeah, like, like the first the first issue ends with like the first issue it ends with uh the two it ends with fucking um this new kid beating the fuck out of this racist in front of his buddies, and then it's, then the racist pulls a gun. Holy shit! At which point um the horrible monsters show up. Okay, good. Yeah, and um. And yeah, so that's all happening. Um, and so he, and so yeah, this new the new kid ends up like kind of getting in with uh, Quinte and the other two, um, who are a who is a um, 
uh, one of them is an Asian girl who has some kind of problems. Uh, they all have their own problems stuff, and it was a very big wall of text laying it all out. So mm-hmm. I couldn't. So I, so I so sorry I didn't exactly retain it all. I just read it like earlier today. No worries. Yeah. And yeah, so yes, yes, and that's all, that's all happening. And then it just kind of, and then it just kind of ends up turning into um, these four kids trying to figure out what the fuck's happening. Mm-hmm. While extra-dimensional beings from the nightmare realm of Mictalin are chasing a chupacabra who escapes from there. Well, that's chupacabra. Eh? <laughs> yeah, that's cool. Yep, chase chupacabra as yeah, as these four kids save the chupacabra in this issue and kind of fucking just end up becoming vigilante justice against weird fucking otherworldly beings. <laughs> I um. I have two questions regarding yes. this. One, it the whole other side with the monsters and the alternate dimensions and all that actually sounds like a lot of fun and true to form of a Vertigo book. Actually, I guess this is all one question now because I was going to ask, does this still feel like a Vertigo book? Because uh, like, since it's been a while, I think since they've kind of did like a relaunch of titles. And two, um, basically, it seems like it's divided between the topical political kind of aspects of kind of what's going on right now with that but also with this whole other thing going on because and is it a good split because i don't want i don't really love too much of the like the top like this current status of things in my comics like as much as i get it it's art and it's going to be discussed i don't want to fucking read about all the horrible things when i'm enjoying comics as a as you know as something to get away from that so like this sounds like a good mix is it like i don't know um or do you think it's more leaning in towards like how horrible people are treating? So the so the first issue so so the first issue is way more topical. Okay, okay. Like one of, one of the first things you see in the first issue is a family, a Mexican family, trying to cross the border, where they are met by the border guard who turn into these horrible monsters. Do, 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 do you get it? Ah, yes. Do, do, okay. Do, do, you, yeah. do you get? Do, do you get? Do you get? <laughs> right. Do, do you get right. It? Do, do, do you get it? <laughs> For all the monsters, yes. But then with the second one, they are leaning more into the fantastical side of things. Okay. And the, and they are building out more. Um, where our main guy, who I just we just from reading reading it again, names Frank. Right. Okay. Uh, where Frank has some kind of deep connection to what's happening here. Like like there's a point there's a point where uh, he and we're like they, they they like all the group goes out to go fucking they 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 see you know. On the news, oh, these horrible monsters are out there doing stuff, uh, or they finally or they get like terrorism alert things, or they're just fucking drawing pictures, or something. Something compels them to go out and do something about this. After all of them had said, "Hey, let's just fucking go our separate ways. We'll see you guys at school." So, yeah, so all of them go out there. They find the they find the chupacabra who kind of escaped earlier to and begin trying to save him. And they run into this store where this elderly Mexican lady begins saying like. Ah, welcome home, Frank. Your family and I go way back to all this shit, and then it kind of then it kind of pulls out to a to a like a cross section shot of under of underneath the store they ran into, where just a giant Aztec pyramid. Okay, that's a good place to leave off on. That was the, at the end of the issue. Or? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it sounds I, interesting enough to me. Like I don't yeah, know. Like, it, it's, you... it's an interesting book. Um, I think it is. It's well written. Uh, like 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 all the characters are com- like all the characters come off as pretty distinct individuals. Um, the I'm a big fan of Quinte. Mm-hmm. 
because he is. I, I don't know. I, I just I guess I, I just kind of have a soft spot for the slower but beefier motherfuckers. <laughs> right. Okay. Yeah, because he's the first one to de- he's the first one to go out and decide to do something about all this. And the next time we see him, he is fucking bare hand, bare hand beating the fuck wrestling move style out of fucking chupacabras. Right. Right. And, and you know, and like in the way that you've said it's being presented so far, if this is them basically writing these characters overcoming all this kind of prejudice and all this fucking bullshit that's going on right now, uh, I'm all for that. Like that sounds great, like that part of this book. Mm. That's what I mean, but like I just it's just one of those things that comics is an escape and I don't constantly want to be reminded of some of the fucking actual horrible things that are happening. No, no, I get like, that. I I totally get that. But, that was that was my big that right. was one of my big problems with fucking Doomsday Clock. Right. The first couple of fucking issues, yeah, were were very I think they've kind of veered off a little bit from that somewhat, but I agree with you, yes. Um but but yeah, this uh that's why I was asking, like, how's the mix in this book? And it sounds like it's a decent balance of storyline, like topical and, and also some fantastical stuff. Yeah, I have to leave, I'd have to leave it up to you if you want to read it out. Um it's 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 I'm I'm saying I'm so far I am digging it. I it's sometimes a bit. Pick up it's trade. sometimes a bit on the nose, but overall, right. I think it's decently written. And anything close to Frank quietly, I'm cool with. Right. And also, this is just another thing. This is probably gonna be a really white thing. I really like the Mexican. I really like the Mexican aesthetic. I like a lot mm-hmm. of the Mexican like culture design aspects to a lot of what their culture does. Mm-hmm. Like luchador masks, love those. Hoping for some Dia de los Muertos shit. Mm-hmm. Right, and I think, I don't know about you, but at least coming, you know, where I'm coming from with that is I find that all that stuff interesting because uh, coming from Canada uh, in the States, it seems like you guys have a much more Spanish, like like we are taught French when we're in school when you yeah. guys are taught Spanish. So I think that you're more used to seeing more of that in your, in your culture and everyday world than we are essentially in Canada. Although we do have people, you know, of, of their, like Spanish people as well here. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but it's, um, it's more so, I think relevant um yeah, it, it's, more, it's more so relevant because you are literally just fucking you're the border. You're, you're border buddies with them yes exactly so um so yeah no i agree with you in that aspect i, I would find that interesting as well because i don't think that we're uh we have enough of that or you know in, in, in our culture yeah so so border town check it out people yeah i think i might pick up the trade like you said i, I like that guy uh he's not quietly but he is you know, good. Uh, the Spanish uh, quietly. Right, right. Essentially, <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, so, um, I yeah, I guess we'll keep the Vertigo train rolling here. Another Vertigo book, actually, that I'm going to talk about, uh, Deathbed. Okay. Uh, the trade for this, I think, just came out last week. This was a miniseries that came out from Vertigo, I think, probably just before the launch of, like, The Border Town and a few of the other titles that they've been launching, and... The one I'm looking forward to the most is that religion one that um, what's his name is going to be writing. I think in the new year uh, for Vertigo, um, the guy does Flintstones and uh, Snagglepuss, uh, Mark Russell. Oh, he's writing a he's writing a book. We talked about it, I think, in the past. He's going to be writing a book for Vertigo that's I think based on religion uh, or something like that, a god and stuff. We'll fucking find out, dude. Yeah, Um, but anyways, uh, this book's written by uh, Joshua Williamson. You know of. um, Birthright, fame, and and birthright, uh, nailbiter, F- flash, nailbiter. Yeah, we, we've liked his work on the show. Uh, some things. Um, I uh, I I loved this book. I think this is a book that maybe was not on a lot of people's radar. Um, wasn't talked about. 
uh, I think enough. Uh, again, it's a vertical. It was a vertical miniseries, so take that as you will, because vertical, like you know, has been a brand that they've been trying to revive over the past few years, numerous times, and they haven't really, I think, successfully done so as of yet. But, um, but yeah, um, I think I read and, the first issue of this. Okay, Riley Rosmo is the artist on this. Yeah. And I, you know, the artist of Bedlam, Proof, many other fucking books. He did the Shadow Batman book for DC. He's been doing a lot of DC work as of lately. He did some Justice League stuff. Uh, he did that issue of the metal with the, with the what do you call it, the, the man who laughs, the original one yeah. he did. Anyways, I love his fucking art. He, Riley his style, is a talent who does not get enough work. Ab- absolutely. Well, yes, I agree with you in... Last year or two, like I said, he's been doing more stuff for DC, so that's cool. But he always kind of veers off and does, like, these little, like, this weird Vertigo book or, like, some, you know, weird image book. Like, yeah, and, 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 like, yeah. Yeah, and, like, yeah but, like, the main reason I say that is because, like, Nick Spencer has been out there. Like, people have been asking for fucking ever when's Bedlam going to come back. Right. And he has been laying a lot of that on not, – well, not laying. He's been, he's been saying a lot of that is because Rosmo doesn't have the funds to be able to work on that book and, like, to get in a, in a time that we will get it out and, like – regular yeah yeah well i mean i i think that's because he's gotten he's getting the dc gigs now right so like i guess he's got to go where the money is because bedlam wasn't a big seller and uh even at the time if you recall uh ross only wrote the first half i mean drew um it was uh ryan brown actually wrote the second half of that story and he's fine the guy who draws curse words right now currently his art's good um but he's no rossmo yeah so yeah so yeah so maybe fucking rossmo Gets himself a little nest egg doing all these fucking big painting books and then comes back for a third volume of Bedlam. <laughs> I think I think you and me may be one of the only ones asking for it, but I would fucking love that. Yeah, you know fuck, how much I that book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's fine. Um, I'll fucking pay up to fifty dollars for a volume of Bedlam. <laughs> same, same. Um yeah. So that's hundred bucks uh, right there. Image. <laughs> yeah, there fucking you Nick go. Spencer, get on it. Spider-Man can take a break, I, right? Just fucking, I, I, I don't know, go go to like Dan Slott's <laughs> wastebasket and find some scripts he threw out. <laughs> uh, you know, probably the super delayed Fantastic Four ones are in there. <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> Somewhere. Yeah, just, just anyway. take that, change every other name to Spider-Man. <laughs> there you go. Um, but yeah, Rosmo, yeah, like I said, he's a great talent. And the main reason why I checked this out, this book out, I mean, I like Williamson work, don't get me wrong, but, uh, I pretty much will read anything that Rosmo is the artist on at this point because yeah. he, he, he tends, and that's what I mean, Bedlam, more of that, uh, is not out of the question, I would think, in the future for him because he always kind of veers off and does these kind of books that, like you said, doesn't, doesn't have a lot of eyes on them necessarily, but he's always doing quality work, changes up his style slightly, every fucking project I've ever seen him on. Uh, and yeah, this, this is, this is great. Um, Deathbed is, is essentially about a girl who... Um, so before, uh, before we get too deep into that, sorry. Yeah. Um, yep. I... Well, we'll be right back, everybody. Sorry about this. Just quick break. No we'll be right back. Right back, everybody. Sorry about that. Yeah. Uh, okay. So, yeah. So basically, Deathbed... I really loved it. Uh, Rosmo's uh, great. Uh, this was some of his best work to date. I mean, he kind of just keeps getting better, in my opinion. And um, this is essentially a story about someone called Valentine Richards, who was a woman who, in the fourth grade, um, she found out that she she won a creative writing contest, and she found like basically her dream, which would be to become a writer. Um, but ever since she won that contest. 
she was never able to like and she moved on and apparently the work was like like was like the greatest story she ever actually personally told at that point early in her life and from there she was never able to kind of do better than that so yeah. but she could still write so she essentially wrote other people's stories she kept getting hired by people to basically be the person that shows up learns about a person and writes their biographies and things like that yeah um so she still had a passion for writing but she just never basically lived a life where she could write about something that she you know what i mean like something that ever like nothing ever came to her and she didn't live the life that she wished she kind of had to actually take her experiences or write about something that she actually experienced in her in herself uh, you know, go to uh, the start of this story where her editor or whatever, like one of these people sh- calls her up. She's like, no, I'm not taking this gig. I'm going to fucking go back to the, you know, I'm go back to writing. I'm going to write my, my novel finally. Yeah. It's going to happen this time. It's like, fuck you. I'm writing I, Dune. Right. It's <laughs> essentially at the end of the day though, she's like, fuck. All right. I'll take the job because that's, yeah. she knows that's not happening. It's like, well, fuck. Uh, I need, I need to eat. Yeah. Exactly. So she goes and she goes to this guy. Uh, his name's uh, Luna. Uh, well, that's his last name, but she continually, call, continually calls him Luna in this. Uh, Antonio Luna is his name. And she goes to his mansion and she sees him in his deathbed. So there's the title. <laughs> so up, 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 up. Luna is in his deathbed. His, his, uh, she, this crazy, luxurious mansion. She's go- she walks in. She sees all these paintings, huge paintings on the walls of him doing like fantastical things, like apparently depicting things throughout his life, where he's like taking down big creatures, or him in the war, or him like, like uh, he looks like a hippie at some point, like with a, like a huge family that he had. Like, anyways, it's all these kind of moments, uh, snapshots of his life. Yeah. And she gets to him, sees him in his deathbed. He's kind of coughing and looks sickly he's in the bed all of a sudden she has a conversation with him he gets to know her she thinks she's great all of a sudden these fucking like undead mummies start (laughs) busting in all over the fucking room and that's what i mean like i think i don't know what came first williamson had this idea or he basically wrote these ideas out for rosmo but great mixture of stuff for rosmo to draw in this story because like he uh it's just some fantastical kind of moments in this kind of he bounces around anyways anyways these undead fucking mummies start just basically storming the fucking room as she's having this conversation with him he springs out of fucking bed dick flopping like just out in the way (laughs) and uh he grabs his fucking gun and starts mowing these fucking guys down and 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 you know wouldn't you know it this guy is healthy healthy as a fiddle yeah (laughs) yeah, it's it's a real fucking like uh it's a real valve character of just like like the fucking guy from uh the guy from team fortress Mm -hmm. yeah just yeah that's a good point yeah just just like old (laughs) as fuck but spry as hell right right um and yeah and then from there he's like you know you're you're hired like you're the person for the job you're gonna write about all my fantastic fucking journeys and my life i've i've lived the most fantastic life yeah. blah blah and, and so I was on my death ev- so i could draw these fuckers out let's go <laughs> right 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 exactly <laughs> and uh and from there every issue for the rest of the series he kind of goes into different each issue is kind of dedicated to something else that he did in his life a kind of walk down memory lane of sorts and as the story goes on you learn about this man who's lived 
live live the life like a life to talk about and where the writer ha- has not lived a life where she has nothing to talk about whereas she's a great person and as the story goes on you found a, you find out Luna's actually a terrible fucking person like he's selfish he had very bad love like uh, like escapades with people where he kind of felt a way about them but he they never reciprocated these feelings because he was just on to the next woman and then yeah. like it's just like a fantastic journey where you learn about both these characters as they go and about all the things that Luna did, all the mistakes he made, and kind of like, and, and he kind of comes to terms with himself as the story comes together at the end, and kind of like how, like, hey, guess what? I have done all these great things, but you know what we're like what like what do i have now what were they all really all for so it was kind of like a like williamson really impressed me actually with his writing in this one i thought it was kind of a style or at least like kind of a deepness to him his writing i haven't actually experienced in some of the other things he's wrote because like let's face it most of it was horror or, or you know superhero type based stuff so this was kind of a little bit yeah, birthright had some of that what's that birthright had some of that Fair enough. You're right, actually. That's a good point. You're right. Birthright. I would say this is in the birthright camp. You're right. I, I dropped that in issues. I read that in trade now, so I, I, I didn't come to mind on right away. Great point. Birthright. This is more of the birthright camp of Williamson writing. So yeah, kind um, of sub, kind of subverting expectations with that stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. Some heart yeah, to yeah. it. Okay. Subverting expectations by essentially just being a deep dive into character. Yes. Yeah. No. Exactly. Um. But yeah. It. it and then it gets to the it kind of goes to a conclusion here where he meets his father at the end of this story he was also on his fucking deathbed and you know like in space and uh Naturally. and yeah like well th- listen they go places i'm not gonna get into everybody every single yeah, issue yeah there's he, like he a goes go see his dad in deaths in space deathbed you just see cave carson driving by yeah there's like a crazy like uh there's like a crazy like cult kind of thing that uh, this sounds like a young animal book. Yes, well that's what I mean. Like it's it, it's a vertigo book. Like this is what kind of vertigo kind of could should be like essentially like yeah. Opinion, but just just, just uh, like like I'm not that familiar with vertigo. Like I think in my time I like previously I had read two vertigo books accidentally. Hmm. But. Just this sounds a lot more like what I know from Young Animal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, yeah, Animal, uh, Young Animal. Yeah, no, you make a good point. Young Animal is basically like a newer, like Vertigo in that sense. So, like, is Young Animal yeah, still going? It is, but um, not as much. I, I don't know if all their books actually concluded recently. That might be the case because Doom Patrol is very delayed. Mother Panic, as far as I know, is done now. Okay, so, yeah, so maybe ac- not. according to this, they're inactive. Sorry, what's that? So yeah, so according to according to the internet, um, the young animal was put on indefinite hold in August of this year. Oh, okay. With, so with Gerard Way saying that they will return someday. Okay, that it, I did it, not know. It, it it'll return when it, young animal will return when we get the next volume of Umbrella Academy. <laughs> Well, he is writing, Umbrella, and there's two issues that have come out, I think, so far. Fucking what? When? When that happened? When? Have you missed this? Yes, yes two issues have. are out. Two issues have come out. Fucking what? I haven't, I haven't been reading it because I'm waiting for the trade, because I heard that you need to, and I have to reread the first two, Dallas, and the, essentially, apparently, if you are not up to date or have read it recently, you're going to be lost, I've heard. But yeah, two issues have come out. Hotel, uh, whatever it's called. What, hotel. The, what the fuck? Since when the fuck did those really get released as issues? 
Wow, you dropped the ball, man. You really are behind the last two months. I think the second edition just came out this last week. This week, uh, Hotel Oblivion. Yeah, my friend. I didn't even know it came out of single issues. <laughs> it's one of your favorite things ever. Yeah, Hotel Oblivion. Two issues, I think, have come out so far. Mother bitch. Yeah, so then I got something to talk about next episode. <laughs> you got to catch up on that. Hotel Oblivion. I, I've been focusing on catching up on the big on the big two in image. I haven't right. fucking... Yeah. God. Yeah. Damn it. Yeah. Has come out. That's what I mean. Like, maybe that's why he kind of took a step back because he's trying to make sure this comes out. I don't know. Anyways, yeah. Um, Deathbed. Well, fuck by nuts. <laughs> Loved it. Um, definitely check out and support this book. If you're a fan of Rosmo or Williamson, it's definitely worth it. Something different. I think it's a good Vertigo miniseries for that matter. And it was a lot of fun. It was one of those books where I didn't expect to love it so much. And I did. Like I, not that I didn't expect to enjoy it because you know I picked it up hoping that was the case, but I, I it exceeded my expectations. Let's say that. Um, yeah, I really enjoyed this. It was a nice little mini series, and uh, and yeah, it had a, like I said, it had a lot of heart. You learn a lot um, about these two characters throughout their journey, and uh, uh, some crazy fucking shit happens, and some awesome Rossmore. So yeah, Deathbed, check it out. Well, alrighty then. So, more to my next book, Cold Spot. So, Cold Spots. Uh, it is a new book from Colin Bunn. Uh, it is a book he's released through Image along with artist Mark Torres. Huh. Never heard of this. Yeah. So, um, going to say, start right off the bat, I do not like the art. Hmm. Mark Torres is like if Ben Templesmith was bad. Ooh. That's not good. Yeah, like um, the one thing he has kind of over Templesmith is backgrounds, because because Templesmith, a lot of what he does is he will like set a scene in terms of like a, an establishing shot, and then from there it is just whatever the monochromatic background is, or whatever like or whatever like the weird like coffee stained dirt background is for the rest, unless unless like an, unless a specific thing has to show up in it. Mm-hmm. With this, he actually does draw full backgrounds, and he does like and it's fully. Detailed to get fucking you get the occasional shot of just just like single color or just weird whatever fucking gradient thing is. But for the most part, it's a lot of really solid background work. Okay. It's just with characters. Right. They're bad. They seem they seem to fluctuate between missing detail or not enough detail. No, sorry, missing detail or too much detail. And the detail that they have, it looks like it looks like essentially he it looks like he drew the outline of the character first, then drew the details separately, and then tried to move and position the details onto the onto the back onto the outline he drew. Yeah, it doesn't sound good. Yeah, and so and so and so a lot of it contributes to a look of char- of like a switching look of depth and flatness in a lot of the character faces. Mm-hmm. Which is unfortunate. From a design perspective, I think a lot of the character stuff works. And, uh, and he, and like, there is uh, some personality driven, like, you know, some like facial driven jokes that mm-hmm. don't necessarily work here. Cause look, the characters are having strokes. <laughs> that is not good. <laughs> oh God. Yeah. This but, is an image book. <laughs> yeah. Oh, but one part where like his style of artwork kind of does come into play and that does like work, I think, and I think that's mainly because the these the 
the thing I'm talking about don't have faces uh, are the ghosts because it's a book about ghosts. Hmm. You know, you know how you know how like when they say there's a ghost around, it gets cold. Yes. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So, so the idea with this book is that um, we have this guy's name is a uh, Mister Kerr. I do not believe he got a first name. Uh, he gets brought in by this rich asshole to try to find his daughter, who he has some kind of connection to. Like Kerr has, like Kerr has some kind of connection to the daughter of this old rich guy, and so he goes and so he and so he so Kerr brings him in to go, hey, go go find my daughter, and yeah, so so the, the girl Alyssa, uh, she had run, she had absconded with her own daughter and just kind of left. No one knew where they were, and so it was up to Kerr to find him. And so as he was, so as he's going out like trying to like investigate, like trying to like find him, uh, the butler working for this old man. For this old rich guy, he knows. Cars fucking knows. Uh, he goes out, and so Kerr tracks. So Kerr begins tracking him down, and stops at a and tries to get out to an uh, tries to get out to an island. Just kind of off the coast, go by ferry, but the ferry isn't really running. Uh, in order to get in order to get onto it, he'll have to stay in the hotel for a night at this little fucking motel piece of shit. And as he leaves, the guy who's running it, um, he begins talking to what sounds like a daughter. At least the way he's talking about him, like, oh, yeah, so, so sweet. You're back. It's great. And then we can look over and we see just a translucent fucking little girl with smoke for a head. Mm-hmm. And then as Kurt runs back inside, uh, we see that the guy has been frozen completely solid and his legs are broken off. Hmm. So it appears to be yeah, what this is, is it is a it is a man trying to track down a person as ghosts happen and the ghosts kill people. We don't know if they're malicious or not, or we don't know anything about that. Um, we just know that we we, we see two instances. Of, we see two instances of ghosts in this book. Like we like we have it. We have kind of a cold open, but um, Tish, where a guy, where like a dad wakes up from a nap or whatever, is like, "Oh, it's fucking cold in here." Do you mess with the goddamn thermostat? Wife knows that she didn't. Goes up to the kitchen. Goes over to the kitchen and finds her staring at the window. Oh, look, the boys are playing. Cut outside to two dead kids playing in the yard. That's creepy. Then the story begins to going up to where I just said. Right. Huh. So the only thing really pushing me away from this is the artwork. Yeah, because it sounds like the the story so far that's unfolding is a, is a good horror tinge tale, at least. Uh, and, you know, Bun's decent. It, so. Yeah. And I mean, with Harrow County done, you'd fucking something new. Right. Huh. Yeah, let me yeah, see if I can are, say, let me see if I can send you some preview images of the I was art. about to say, I'm gonna, yeah, look at some images of this because uh yeah, the, so that that will give you the first five pages. Let me take a look at this. And yeah, I Yeah, I had not uh, Yeah. Yeah, this right? is like a it's like it's funny because it, it's it looks like a less detailed Temple Smith, except for the backgrounds, like you said. Yeah, it's, and like, it's even, a really weird disconnect. Yeah, you're right. Like the faces look horrible. They're like kind of half drawn in a way. Yeah, like, and it's like not even like he's using the negative effect. Like it's not like a Minola like style of shadow and versus you know what I mean. Like it's yeah. Oh, and this is this is kind of ironic. I think. Um, so 
image the list. Go- the ghost looks interesting. Yeah, the ghost. I, the ghost have an interesting design, but yeah. uh, the but like the there is apparently a so image has this thing where like they're on their solicitation. It's like comparison titles. If you like the deeply personal supernatural revenge story in J. Michael Straczynski's Ten Grand, you'll love Cold Spots. <laughs> Which was drawn by Van Temple Smith. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, no, this is, like you said, this is the poor man's Van Temple Smith, essentially. <laughs> this is, yeah, no, no. This is, I, I'm, like, like you, I guess that's why they said that. This is what they're obviously going for, but this is, uh, yeah, the ghosts look interesting, but even some of the coloring is kind of garish. I don't know. It's yeah, it's not it, it's not great. Like actually, speaking of coloring, kind of reminds me of Jock. <laughs> well, yeah, that that this one page of the preview, if you just put some paint splatters over that, it's like witches. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Fucking fucking Mark Torres <laughs> which, which is you the hated. worst. Yeah, Mark Torres <laughs> is the worst aspects of Ben Temple Smith and Jock. Oh God. Yeah. Oh yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, this isn't, uh, like I said, the only thing that looks actually looks decent in the art, but it's probably because the effect of he can't draw very well is the ghosts, because they look very disfigured and weird looking, right? But the, um, everything else, and it's kind of like the essence of, like, not, like, no face, that's kind of creeping me out, because it's yeah, kind of just too- Yeah, it, it's, it's the very recognizable body with smoke and two glowing dots. The, yeah, it's the glowing dots that's kind of a little unnerving. Interesting. Yeah, no, um, yeah, the art's not great. <laughs> You're right. Um, yeah, if anything pushes me away from this book, it'll probably end up being the artwork. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, one of five, though. Oh, so it's a mini series. Yeah. So I don't know. Okay. Yeah, I'll, I'll see if I can last five issues. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, no, this is, uh, yeah, I agree with you. Not great art. <laughs> All right, then. And then um, that was for me, Nico. Okay. Uh, so yeah, my last book here, uh, Isola. I guess this is how you say Isola. Isola? Probably Isola. Isola. Like, yeah. So this is uh this is Brendan Fletcher, Carl Kershaw, who did Gotham Academy together, and uh, yes, Batgirl. Yes, yes. But I think they were on the other side of th- things, not being Babs Tar and Cameron Stewart, who I think were the <laughs> the my my the least favorite of the creators out of all these four people <laughs> involved with Batgirl. Yeah, I it's I, it's really weird. Like I really right. liked Gotham Academy. I was about to say uh, they did a great job on Gotham yeah. Academy. Gotham and, Academy and, and, was and great. And as I'm well. liking this book so far. Yes. So right off the bat, not like the book you just talked home talked about. My fucking god, the art in this book so good. The, the oh, fucking two-page like, spread with the giant dead bird. Like, this is some straight-up Disney masterclass animation-type fucking art going. Like, that's, like, for me, that's, like, the highest compliment I can give because, like, like there's, you know, some good animators there. Or, like, you can even say, like, any of the good, like, think of good animated movies and, like, this, this is... is Wow! Oh yeah, great fuck, great Carl Kershaw fucking art. He yeah, he he's a fantastic artist. Yes. Now that's why I want to start off by saying that uh, because that is the main reason why I'll probably be sticking with this book. And I'm talking about the first volume now. This is the first five issues. This is volume. I think it's five or six issues. Hold on, let me just double check. Five. So I read the first volume. This came out a couple weeks ago, and it's great because it's only a nine ninety nine book. So I got it for a discount. So like, if you're interested in this, or just look at the art, pick this up. Uh, I did enjoy it, 
But I will say the one negative thing I have about this book is for a story, I wouldn't say it was confusing, but there's not a lot of to go off of. And since we, we start st- in Mediasrez, which is a problem. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, that that was that probably a bit of a shit term. So in Mediasrez means we're starting in the middle of the story. Yeah. There is there is the inciting incident that led into all this that we aren't privy to. We we get we get like hints of it and like an idea of some stuff, but there are it it, it leaves enough it, it leaves too much open that it, that that leads to questions that kind of just take away from actually engaging with the story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I've I've gotten a bit I've gotten a bit deeper into it than you have. Um, I think I'm in like the second or second or third volume or whatever fucking collection they end up doing. Okay, and. They yeah, start, essentially a bunch of be- events have already happened by the time the cold open of this book happened. Like, yeah. a whole bunch of things have happened, and you kind of get piece by piece throughout the story kind of what happened and leading into where they're at now. But, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, like, uh, we start getting a bit more. It's still a good chunk of it is kind of left open, which is still a problem for me. Like, I like I kind of... I, like you, you don't you don't need to have a story start out with here are your characters, here's their relationship, this, this, that. Yo, you can start in Mediaz Res and it can work out fine. It's just you need to be able to dole out information in a way that is either informative or natural, so that way so that way the questions that we have aren't lingering at all times and bugging us. Right. And yes, that is my main issue with this because I was about to say it's not very meaty in the sense that they don't give you much to go off of. And majority of the story is told through this beautiful artwork. And although I'm enjoying the journey, I still don't really have a grasp or an idea of this full world as of yet, because they're not really giving us much as the story progresses. Like they're very, they're so essentially this woman's and correct me if I'm wrong on anything I'm saying, because like I said, it is very sparse. Um, this woman, she serves this queen of sorts and she turned, she got turned into a a lion and a tiger, sorry. And, and, and it's about her journey trying to take her to this place that she is envisioning that they need to get to in order to help her. Yeah. And um, and then as they go on through their journey, they run into, you know, people that kind of are aware that she may be the queen and people that kind of want to take her down or use them to their use during this war that's going on between their people. And like there's a tribe, I guess, they run into by the end of this volume that kind of like is aware of what's going on with her. Yeah. And, yeah it's a tribe of like weird animal people. Right. And 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 throughout the whole thing, you're getting these visions that the the lion queen is having, and you're not really sure what the like. There's a fox that you're following, but I think it's yeah, the girl the, that's yeah, getting the, fo- that, the fox is recurring imagery, right? So you're not really sure what what the imagery has to kind of do with everything that's happening as of yet, but they kind of are more getting closer and closer to reaching maybe the answers to these visions as the journey continues so that's what i mean even that is kind of unclear so they're really giving you not like a lot to go off of in this story but i am enjoying it if that makes sense like i i 
I'm I'm curious, and I really hope it pays off in the end, or else this is kind of this will all have been kind of for nothing, and other than some great art and a yeah. decent told story. But that's what I mean. Like I can't even really say that at this point because it's not really. There's not really much they're kind of even like in in terms of the story that they're telling you at this point. No, yeah. So, yeah. So that's why again I'm, I'm a little conflicted with this one. I'm definitely going to continue reading it because with this first volume, and you're saying it continues like this, like you still don't think you've gotten it enough uh, uh, as the story progresses. So actually, now that I now that I've read it a little bit more, okay, all I've read is the first volume. Oh, because okay. they've only released you- five issues, and the next issue comes out next year. Oh shit! So we're basically about the same point then. Yeah. So yeah. So yeah. So um, the next issue coming out is coming out on January nineteenth. Okay. With the last issue coming out in August 29th. So yeah. So about a on- four to five month break. Yeah. And then and then from there the book is going bi monthly. I mean. Again, this quality of work that he's putting out, I, I understand, but that hurts a book, especially this one. Oh yeah, like yeah. I'm I, like I'm not gonna read the issues. I'm gonna read the yeah. next trade when it comes out in a year. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like yeah, so. Yeah, with so so, so with bi monthly, it, it doesn't it doesn't say whether that means twice a month or every two months. I bet it's every two months. Probably. I, I, couldn't, I couldn't see. Unless that's them making up for their length of time taking off and, like, he's going to just bank all these issues, right? Yeah. I can't see this going on that long. I mean, like, I would say maybe two marks, like, maybe. Like, because, I don't know. Like, it seems, because there is a journey involved. Although we don't know much, I don't, I I can't see them adding too much more to this story. You know what I mean? Like, I can't see this going on forever. Yeah. Um, because it's kind of, it seems like their one goal is to make it to this place and for her essentially change her back, I would think, into the queen, uh, to a human form. Uh, but she's basically loyal to this woman because I think her, like, she had to take out, like, a family member that tried to kill her or something. Something, like her something. Brother. Her brother or something, I think, tried to, like, kill her and she got involved and she ended up having to kill him for her. And basically they share this kind of bond now, but yet she's still kind of green- like, where she's kind of, like, not a great warrior yet, but she's, de- like, you know what I mean? She has heart, so she's yeah. dependable, and she's basically, you know, she's risking her life to basically yeah. accompany She's her. also the captain of the Royal Guard. Right, but that's only because I think someone died, like, a relative of hers, and she got given, like, the... So- something like that, I don't, I don't know. Yeah. I'm, I'm probably going to end yeah. up rereading this at some point, try, like, before issue six comes out, just trying to reread and figure out what the fuck actually happened. Right, right. So, Yeah. Like I said, I wouldn't say it's abs- it's maybe a little confusing, but not not confusing because I'm not understanding the story so much as there's not much story there at this time. Yeah, for all, we, for all we know, they're fucking is probably no fucking fucking her, like fucking Kershaw and Fletcher have like fucking nine thousand tomes about the entire backstory of this fucking world. <laughs> aren't divvying it out? Thing. Aren't divvying it out pretty well? Aren't divvying it out very well? Sorry, right. Well, that's what I mean. Like, it is a beautiful fucking world that they're depicting in this. Yeah. I also, this. I also feel like we should give, like, like we should, we don't usually mention colorists, but we should probably give props to the fucking colorist. Yes. You're right. Uh, yeah. who, who is Messiah? Um, Masasic or something? Masasic, yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know how to pronounce that name, but they were also the colorist on Gotham Academy. Oh. Yeah, okay, this so is this the is entire the- Gotham Academy team writing this fucking oh. book. Well, there you go. And that book was good, and so if you liked the team that did this book, I would definitely give this a try. Um, 
like I said, um, go into it with those expectations. Know that. I actually knew that when I picked up this trade. I've heard similar things about people not being able to kind of grasp what's going on. But the art of fucking alone in this book is just so good and something special I don't think you see too much in comics these yeah. days like this this sort of style yeah like it, like Kershaw could be like an animator in, in that sense like you yeah know what like, I mean? like, I, it, like 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 with, with the giant dead bird thing that actually kind of gave me Stoko vibes when I first read it okay I mean just just in, just in terms of the scale and detail of the scale okay yes uh, in detail yes i agree not the style obviously, no, st- style they, not at all but, ju- yeah. but just like reading that it, it felt like me it felt like me getting the same kind of like feeling i get reading a stoko book mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah no fair yeah he yeah it's great there are that, that, that that's gonna be like the main reason yeah i just turned to the page that you're talking about when they walk up to the again and uh yeah there's all those things feeding on that bird like kind of i don't know the cattle or something like some weird yeah, sort of the forest, weird hybrid. The forest critters yeah so yeah so uh, isola uh first volumes out like i said it's 10 bucks even if you're not sure from this review if you feel like checking it out i think for that price alone it's worth it just give it give it a shot um because i think it's it's definitely worth checking out i would say yeah um yeah, uh, art alone and for this price, uh, give it a try. So, all right, yeah. yeah, all right, cool. That's what we're reading then. Um, no real news this week, yeah. Uh, but some comic book TV show news. Um, you know that HBO Watchmen movie, Watchmen show from Damon Lindelof, right? They just hired Jeremy Irons to play Ozymandias. Yes, I, I, I did read that on Twitter. That's awesome. A bit older than I was expecting, but fuck it, I'll take it, dog. Yeah, yeah. No, I like I like Jeremy Irons. I bet Jeremy, so, Irons, yeah. can, I bet Jeremy Irons can catch bullets. <laughs> I think they're also. I think that's what they're doing though is is casting older because didn't they already announce who they're putting for uh, Silk Spectre as well? And she's an older woman. Uh, well, the main oh, Silk, Silk Spectre, Spectre or Mom Silk Spectre. I, oh, okay, it was Mom Silk Spectre. Yeah, good point. But I mean, I, like, if they're going to make him blue and stuff, maybe, like, they'll hide some of the oldness. I don't know. <laughs> who knows? We'll fucking see when this show eventually drops and we eventually shit all over it. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yeah, so that's good for this week. Thank y'all for joining yeah. us. It's a good one. We will be back in two weeks' time with an episode of the DeathRollProds.com comic book podcast. In between now and then, though, we got fucking chicken. I don't know. <laughs> no, I'm dead. I'm Nico. We'll see you guys next time.